show, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 189 of the Decoding Success Podcast, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Week by week, inch by inch, we are getting closer to episode number 200, and we are so excited to get to that point, but even more so excited to be delivering today's message to you today, right here in this present moment with our friend, Dr. Heather Thompson Day, interdenominational speaker and contributor. Associate Professor of Communication at Colorado Christian University. She's super passionate about supporting women, runs an online community called I'm That Wife, which has nearly 200,000 followers. Her writing's been featured on the Today Show and the National Communication Association. She's been interviewed by BBC and now here at Decoding Success. And on top of that, she is the author of seven books, including the reason we're talking today, her new book, It's Not Your Turn, which all of you that are listening have the opportunity to enter your in the giveaway. We're going to be giving away numerous copies of this book. Listen up. This is how you can enter yourself into this giveaway. All you have to do, it's super simple. Screenshot your screen, whether you're listening on iTunes or Apple, whether you're listening on Spotify, iHeartRadio, we're across the board, right? Wherever you listen to these episodes, just screenshot the episode, put it on your Instagram story, tag Heather and tag myself. You can find both of our social handles in the show notes of this episode. If you do not already have them. Again, all you have to do is screenshot your screen, put it on your Instagram story and tag us. It is that simple. You have the opportunity to be entered into the giveaway, which we're going to be doing live in about a week or so. Enter into this giveaway and you have the opportunity to get and receive one of these amazing copies of this book. And you're going to see how amazing it is. Once you dive into this episode here today, really excited to have Heather. I want to urge you to make sure that you share this. Even if you don't want to enter the giveaway, just share it, whether it's privately in your text messages, your group chats, email threads, whatever the case is, make sure you're sharing it because there's a lot of value and you have the opportunity to be a beacon of light to someone that may need it, whether you know they need it or not. But without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Heather, welcome to the show. Excited to have you. Excited to decode your success. So thank you for being here today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love your energy. I really love your energy. (laughs) That is amazing. Cool. So first question, we kick off every show with this question and it is so, I'm getting the chills saying it. It's amazing to hear all of the responses, how it's so unique. I'm curious to learn how you personally define success. Oh man. You know, it's funny. So I just was in an, like a conversation with a a different publisher for a book that I'm going to put, finish in October. And he said, what would be success? What would success look like for this book? And for that, I said, if somebody felt compelled to buy one for someone else, that's what success would look like for me. And so I'm trying to think, what would that look like in my life? I, I guess it's kind of the same right? Like success, I think for me looks like impacting people in such a way that they feel compelled to tell someone else. Okay. I love that. Now I'm curious, how did you get to define success in that way? Like what was, was it a particular event? Was it just life taking you through the course? Was it a certain person or people? Yeah, I think I've just realized that we can, you know, have these different metrics of, oh, I'm going to be a bestseller or mm-hmm. I'm going to get on a stage to thousands of people. And I think what we've seen, especially in the last few years, is that that doesn't necessarily mean that you were actually successful. You can reach those metrics and not have actually made an impact in somebody else's life. Right. 
And so I think for me, I've been trying to readjust my brain for the last three years into just being feeling successful when I make an impact. Mm. And the other day I was in my, um, one of my last classes this semester. And I just had this thought, like, if this is, if this is the biggest thing I ever do, it's enough for me. <laughs> if the biggest thing I ever do is like stand in front of my students and be fully present with them and have them walk out of my class saying that was, that was the best class I ever had, or that professor changed my life. That's, that means a lot to me. And I want to be somebody that really takes in those types of moments because my natural personality isn't that way. I think this is something I've really been working on training myself toward. And I think I'm becoming successful in getting there. What does that training look like? It looks like being present. Okay. It looks like stopping for one person. It look It's literally for me a, an actual conversation I have for my, with myself when somebody walks into my office to say in my head, this is the most important thing you're going to do today is listen to this person. Mm. And so act like it. Give them, when I walk into a class, this is the most important thing you're going to do in your entire life is teach this class. So act like it. And I'm trying to show up in my life in those small spaces. And for me, I can say that this tipping point to use Malcolm Gladwell's reference has occurred in my life since I've started doing that. And it wasn't like instant. I would say I've been trying to be intentional about being present for maybe the last four years, but definitely in the last 18 months, I've seen doors open for me that I never would have even dreamed could possibly open. And I really think it's just been because I've been really faithful and stewarding small moments. Mm. Now I'm just curious, and I'm going to ask this very selfishly here. It's like, how do you do that from moment to moment? Right? Because you're a family woman, right? You yeah. have children, you have a husband, you have uh, your speaking career, you're an author, you're a teacher. Like I'm sure there's a million and one other things that you are as well. Like you wear a lot of hats. How do you, I don't want to say calm the mind, but like, how do you like let the clutter kind of like move to the side so that you can be present? Well, I'm a big believer in meditation. Okay. I spend time, I was, I spend time meditating almost every single day. I try to do at least 20 minutes a day and I, I read a lot of research. So we know through research that just spending 20 minutes a day will change your brain and your neural pathways within six to eight weeks. Wow. And so they did a study, just, they did a study to see, um, what, how meditators respond to like just acts of kindness. If, if you're standing in a waiting room and you're, you have a seat and somebody comes in and they're standing, what they found is that meditators are like 50% more likely to give up their seat. And I think what it really is, is that you're actually training your brain through meditation to be present yeah. to say this moment matters. And, and let me just fully be here instead of worrying about all the different things that I have to do. So to answer your question in my life, what I try to do is be present. So if I'm with my kids, I try to really be with my kids. I don't schedule. Actually, today I have a podcast interview at three and I really try not to do that. I try not to schedule anything after my kids would get home from school. It's summer right now, so it's difficult. But af after three o'clock, I'm just a mom. I don't do any, I don't do any interviews after that time or take any speaking engagements typically after that time. And so it's just putting boundaries on myself to say, when I show up to speak somewhere, I want to do that as a whole person right? who's happy with my husband, who's happy with my kids, right? Like, I think I used to show up to things and in showing up, I was trying to gain something for myself. Mm. 
instead of showing up out of a place of overflow because I'm good in my own spaces. Does that make sense? It does. But I'm curious, what were you trying to gain for yourself in those moments? Oh, success. Okay. Achievement. Yeah. Notoriety. Affirmation. I'm an Enneagram three. If your listeners know what the Enneagram is, um, that's just like one of these, like the Myers-Briggs, it's the new Myers-Briggs and Enneagram threes are achievers. Mm. So we are notorious for jumping from thing to thing and also getting my actual self-worth and identity out of the things that I achieve. Right. And that is definitely true for me, which is why for the last four years, I've tried to try to undo that and say, no, I am worthy because I'm a human Mm. and it's not about what I produce. So you're saying that your validation was coming from the external. Absolutely. Yeah. I, re- I, re- I literally resonate with that so much. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it too. good to be honest about it? Yeah, it is. It is because people need to hear that, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the chills like that. That was me. So I'm 28 now. And I like had a revelation um, in June of 2020 when I was 27. And I just went through that inner work, that inner journey yeah. and it really revealed that to me. And it's crazy because it stems all the way back to childhood. But at the same time, um, it's it's been a process. It's definitely been a process of adjusting to like, okay, what am I doing for attention? What am I doing for validation? What am I doing? Yeah. To, you know, like it, it's, it's a really wild process. I appreciate you bringing that up though, because it, it's, it's real, you know, it's yeah. very real. Um, cool. So you mentioned, I, I mean, I have a million and one questions here. You mentioned your book, um, or I guess another book that you're working on, but I yeah. want to talk about the book that we're here to talk about. Let's do that. Um, so I just, I wrote down the title cause I didn't want to botch this. It's not your turn. What to do while waiting for your breakthrough. Yeah. So I actually saw this on Amazon and that is how I discovered you. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, yay. Uh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, Amazon's yeah. working for me. You guys it hear is. that? Thank it you. Is. Amazon it analytics. It is. So that title just like mind blown. I I love it. I love it. In fact, I'm actually experiencing that today and I experience it in numerous different ways, right? Because I experience it in my business, quote unquote, my career, whatever. I experience it in relationships and so on and so forth. What inspired you to write this book? Yeah. So I was going through a ton of rejection. Okay. (laughs) I was getting, I had, my dream has always been to have a best-selling book. And that, that started when I was like six or seven years old. Mm. I've always wanted to be a best-selling author. And I had rejection. I could have a bonfire with all the rejection letters that my agent was getting back from various publishers. And then at the same, and at the same time, I was also trying to get a full-time job in academia. And I had never even taken a summer off. I went to school from 2005 when I finished high school to like 2019 or 2018, when I finished my PhD, I never had a summer off Mm -hmm. and I could. And so I felt like I did the work and I could not get hired full time. And at the same time, one of my best friends called me and she said, Heather, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, what? And she's like, I just got hired by NASA. And I was like, that's great. Like, I am so happy for you. I was choking. As I said, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) And I was happy for her. I was just also so deeply sad for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just had this moment where I had to say to myself, it's not your turn, Mm. but it's hers. Right. And so clap for her because that's all you can do. Right. And I just had, I started saying to myself that for like the next seven years, it's not your turn and that's okay, but show up for the people that you can show up for. And I'm that definitely is a lot easier said than done in the reality of feeling overlooked and underpaid and underappreciated. But I tried to live that way. And so I came to this idea and this is what the whole book is about. 
Who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is. Mm. Everybody hits the podcast light on for thousands of listeners. That doesn't take character and that doesn't take integrity and that doesn't mean you're special, right? Everybody stands on the stage for thousands of adoring fans. That doesn't mean anything about who you are. Mm. I think that we need a generation of people who do the work, not for praise, and not for accolades and not for adoration, but because I believe in this, mm. right? And especially, let's just look at social justice work right now um, or racial advocacy. There's a lot of people right now doing the work because they believe it. Right. And it doesn't matter if, if I ever get notoriety for it. I'm trying to push forward this agenda that I believe is just so important in my bones. And I've just started trying to live my life that way. Mm. And it's, it's something I want to share with people because in that, I think I found like this deep peace and this deep joy that you only find in, not like from that external, right? but just because I I'm realizing what you do is important, even if nobody else sees that. And I want to have character and I want to have integrity. I respect that. Now, do you, and I, I could answer this two different ways for myself. So I'm curious what you say. Um, do you feel like you can actually show up for the people that are succeeding around you when you're not necessarily happy with where you are from a genuine place? 1000%. Okay. What I, what I discovered is that our emotions are allowed to coexist. Uh, okay. Here's another example. My sister and I got pregnant at the same time with when I had my last son um, and she lost her baby. Okay. Was she still, ha did she want me to lose my baby too? Of course not. She was deeply sad for herself while at the same time being happy for me. Mm -hmm. And we walked that journey and it wasn't easy. And there were days we didn't talk, not because she wasn't still happy for me, but because it hurt so much, but we got through it. Right. And it's like, you, you can make a decision. I think part of it is just saying it like, it's okay to feel like crap right now. I am allowed to be pissed at this. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means I'm a person, right? But then also say to yourself, how is my jealousy helping this situation? If anything, it's just making me more isolated and bitter because at the end of the day, we need each other. We need community. We need people around us. And by the way, let me say this too. Great book. It's called Daring to Trust by David Rico. And what he says is, you want to know how we build trust with, our, with all the people around us? By sharing in their joy. Okay. You build trust by joining in someone else's joy. And when you decide that somebody's not trustworthy, when you're, when something inside just like, oh, I don't trust this person. It's because you've noticed that they don't share in your joy mm. and we're lonely and we're depressed and we have anxiety. Well, let's start joining in people's joy and see what happens as we build healthy relationships. Right, right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the reason I ask that is because I remember in my earlier 20s, like very early 20s, probably just 21, 22. Uh, and I, I speak about this so openly. He's one of my best friends. Two of my best friends actually were, were asked to become managing partners of a restaurant. And um, we had just Actually, maybe it was 23, 24, but uh, we had just left a business venture of our own together and we kind of like all went separate ways. And when I saw that happen, it's not like I wasn't making money. It's not like I wasn't having opportunity, but I, I, I did feel some type of yeah. way. You know, I, I definitely, definitely did. And then now I can see myself kind of 
evolving in a sense where I'm happy regardless for people, you know, but um, at the same time, I know you're a woman of faith. So my next question has to go around that. How do you find yourself buying into God's plan for you? Because we, we just had this conversation on the podcast, I think two episodes ago, and it, it was really, really interesting hearing the responses because Obviously, shit hits the fan. Not everything's linear, right? There, there's right. peaks and valleys. So that's a factor. Second factor is like, okay, cool. We have our own wants and desires, you know, and they don't necessarily Absolutely. always align with God's. Um, there's just so many factors that go into it. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, why the fuck are you bringing me through this ringer right now? Like, just give me what I want, you know? So it's hard to buy in to a certain extent. I'm curious, like, how you find yourself buying in. Man. I think that that is the struggle of everybody that's trying to be a person of faith is, but here's, here's the reality. Scripture says that when, when Jesus shows up to the disciples, he says to them, follow me. Mm. And they literally say, master, where are we going? And he says, come and see. Mm. It's the same invitation for us today. I say to God all the time, I don't know where the hell I'm going right now. And he says, come and see. And I have to trust that journey. And I'm not asking God to follow me where I'm going. I'm asking to follow him where he's going. Right. And that, and for me, and I won't put this on everybody, I'm good with that. And that's what I said. I came to a place where I decided if the biggest thing I ever do is stand in this classroom and make an impact to 50, 20 year olds, I'm good with that. Mm. That's success for me. As long as they then will leave and tell somebody else that it mattered to them that deeply that you say, hey, that person really made an impact to me. That's enough for me. Are you not scared of the unknown? Um, I think I'm right now in a season of deep disappointment, something I totally thought was going to go through. I just got word is not going through mm. and I'm allowing these emotions to coexist, mm. right? Like it's okay that right now I have no idea what's next. Cause I really thought it was very clear what was next. And now that's gone. That stability is gone, but you know what? It, it doesn't make me, that's part of humanity. And that's the beauty of the journey is it's like, I, that being broken doesn't make me less human. It makes me more human Mm. and I can connect to somebody else in their brokenness. And so what if the goal is just connection? What if the goal is just healthy? My husband and I were on a walk the other day and he said, but what if the goal of this is just like how we, because I was snapping on him all morning because I was just pissed about my own situation. So everything he did really irritated me. So we went on a walk. And he was like, but what if the goal of this isn't like this event or this destination or this job opportunity that just closed on me? What if the goal is just how we treat each other through it? Mm. Whether or not I feel like I have someone in my corner when the big bad world chews me up and spits me out. Right. Do I genuinely believe him to have my back in that. And how do I lean into that despite the discomfort that I feel from the outside? And it, here's what I really think we can get through almost anything. If we have people we love in our corners who walk the journey with us and sit when it feels like hell are willing to just sit down and be quiet and say, yeah, this sucks. Do you believe it's connection? Do you believe that's, that's the whole purpose of it? Oh, well, I'm a communication professor, so I know it is right. We know we feel most when people say, what's the meaning to life? What makes me feel alive or at peace or fulfilled? The answer is always connection. And actually what people don't realize is that when they say, I can't do this anymore. I don't know how to get out of bed anymore. What they're really saying is I'm not, I don't have positive relationships with other people. When we have positive relationships with other people, our brain is able to compartmentalize where life is wrong. We say, I have a good life. I just need a better job. Mm. 
I have a good life. I just need more. I just need to pay off these student loans. I have a good life though. When we don't have positive relationships with other people, our brain doesn't compartmentalize where things are wrong. And it feels like everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. And look, we're living in a generation. Are you a millennial or Gen Z? Millennial. You're probably right at the, okay. So millennials, especially. So they ask millennials, how many people do you feel like truly know you? Guess what the average answer is? They would probably say none to one. There you go. Yeah. But hey, the way to feel at peace and fulfilled and alive is through relationship, except none of us have anybody because we've been so busy chasing success and connection, right? And when I say connection, I mean like networking Sure. that we've forgotten to nurture the people that are supposed to go. There's like, I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift. So Taylor (laughs) Swift at one of her Grammy speeches or no, in the documentary about her life, she goes, I was standing up there accepting my second Grammy and I realized I had nobody with me to enjoy it. Wow. And I think that's our entire generation. We'll get there. We'll get the house. We'll get the car. And then we're going to look back and we're like, but who's with me to even enjoy this and join in my joy. So this comes full circle. This is so interesting. We, so it's, what's really funny is that the two questions, the question I just asked you, like, how do you buy into God's plan and what is the meaning of life? We're in the same episode we just released. Okay. Uh, so that's really interesting, but also um, I think there's numerous factors that play into it. Right. And I, I could speak from a male's perspective. Yeah. Um, men, obviously, and this was me, up until last summer, June, you know, one year ago, um, I never really let people in Mm. like I, and why would I, I'm a man, I'm macho, I'm bravado, you know, like pound on my chest type of dude. Right. Like, why would I, you know, cause that's what society made me become. And then when I realized that what I was doing was so self-destructive, you know, in the sense where honestly posing a health risk that I probably would like, didn't even know of, um, you know, the suicide rate is high in men, um, heart attack rate is high in men. Like, it's really crazy. Like, you know, knock on wood that I avoided that, but I feel like that's another thing that plays into it. Right. It's just like the lack of vulnerability and women too, because I personally see women taking on a lot of masculine energy and just not communicating and not building the really like yes yeah, surface level relationships sure like who doesn't have those everyone has the surface level relationship but the ones that can really change your life you know like what you're alluding to right now with your husband and with your sister yeah. you know like that is so so rare and that's why i knew the answer to you know the whole millennial research study it's like that was me like I had one person, two people max that like really, really knew me. Now it's a different story, you know, but that is that. Yeah, that's just the perspective of a male. It's just like the lack of vulnerability that we have um, amongst each other. We can't look weak. You know, we can't, you know, success is a huge thing, too. We can't look unsuccessful. Right. You know. And can I add something to this? Because I love, I love sharing this with my students because I'm filled with useless research and information. But (laughs) men are actually, I think, even greater lovers than women. Mm, when you ask men, actually, so all the research indicates when you ask a man, if when you get married, why did you get married? The answer is solely because I loved her mm. or him. When you ask a man, why can you get through these obstacles? They say, I can get through it if I have love. When you men spend twice as long after a breakup fantasizing and missing their last partner. Men are actually statistically more romantic than women. So what it is is exactly what you've said. Men are these incredible, loving people. And yet society has boxed it 
so that they don't know how to express it. But every female or mother knows that her guy who is, you know, super macho and cool in front of other people is crying when he's at home with her. Mm. Right. And mommy knows it too. Men are incredibly loving creatures. It's just that they don't know how to express it. And the default malemotion is anger. So a man can't tell you how embarrassed he is. So instead he just gets angry. He can't tell you how ashamed he is. So instead he just gets angry. He can't tell you how hurt he is or jealous he is. So anger, 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 because that's the socially acceptable malemotion. It doesn't mean that that's actually the emotion that they feel. Right. Anger is the surface level emotion. Yeah. Yeah. What's under that is fear or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Men are incredibly loving people. And so I, for any females listening, I just want to say this. If he's not acting that way with you, it's because he's not your man. Mm. Women have this really bad idea that, well, that's just how guys are. They just all treat women. They just all are trash. That's what women say. Men are trash. It's not (laughs) true. That is not true. You are messing with the wrong people. And a guy who loves you, he, he will tell everybody that he loves you. Right. Right, right. I agree. So I wasn't expecting to go down the relationship, <laughs> path, but I guess we're going to. This just so happens to always come up on the show. I just saw you posted something on Instagram that I loved. Um, it was advice from your dad, dating advice okay. from your dad. Um, and I think it was something along the lines of like, don't date for like what they're like on paper, like meaning their potential, something yeah. like that, right? Um, now I'm guilty of that and I've done that and I didn't date the person they were showing me they were. Yes. You know, so I can't, I can't, well, now I can take the advice of don't date for potential, but I'm curious, what's your advice for someone that has done the opposite of that and is kind of like going through the aftermath? Oh, get in community. So studies show after a breakup, it's, it's the exact same trauma as if I was to hit you in the face with a baseball bat. Your brain experiences sadness and pain and rejection in the same way as we experience physical pain. So if you were to get in a car accident and break both arms, are you going to work the next day? No, I'd hope not. (laughs) Right. And if you did, we'd look at you crazy. We'd be like, Matt, what the heck are you doing? Go home, rest. And we go through emotional trauma all the time. And we're like, no, I'm good. It's fine because I can't see anything. Mm. How we alleviate emotional and physical pain is through relationship. And that's why I said relationships. And this is true. Obviously I'm a Christian, but this is true of both evolutionary biology and Christianity. We, we both believe that human beings do best in relationship, that we were wired to be in relationships with other people. Right. And so if we're going through a breakup, you call your friend and you say the same story 15 times and you tell them, I'm going to repeat this probably 15 different times. Please just let me get it out because (laughs) that's how you process. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And be there with in that. And then a little bit, you start to feel better. The more you talk, you want to know why men spend more time after breakups, not getting over it. Tell me, cause I'm experiencing it. I'm curious. Oh, are you? Because who are they talking to? So that's the thing. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Women. Here's what I know, right? I can go. And this has actually happened to me. I go in the bathroom. A girl is literally crying in the bathroom. I'm like, what's going on, sis? She's like, he broke up with me. I'm like, show me the text. She pulls out her phone. I'm going through the text. I'm like, girl, delete his number, block him. You are better than this. You are worthy of love. And then we hug and we leave. Right. Right. Girls experience relationship all the time. It is very natural because society has allowed us to. Mm. I don't think it's just that like we biologically are different. I think we just sociologically have been trained differently with our responses. Right. Men, like I said, typically call mommy and that's it. Mm. And you're not calling your best guy friend and saying my heart's broken maybe once, but definitely not 15 times in a row, which is what you actually need to do in order to get over it. Agreed. Agreed. 
Yeah. So yeah, we need each other. We need relationships and you have to, but you know what? Millennial men are a very special generation. People can make fun of us all they want, feminized culture, whatever. Millennial men are the first generation of men to be less likely to cheat than women. This has never happened before. Why do you think that's the case? I don't, why do you think that's the case? I actually I, I have no the, idea. I know the answer. So Tell me. When I was in high school, I, I was in high school from 2010 to, to 2014 right? Freshman to senior year. I noticed the shift. Now, listen, I'm guilty of it. I, you know, was a quote unquote player, right? Whatever. Oh, okay. Um, listen, I took advantage of being six foot five, uh, being an athlete, being popular, being in nightlife. I took advantage of that. And I saw the shift literally happening before my eyes where it seemed like men were in control which sounds fucked up because like in a good relationship, control might not be the best thing. But like I literally not even just in my own relationships, but in society and especially being in New York City nightlife, like you literally saw it like men had control. And I saw that shift change more and like the pendulum was swinging more so to the women. Mm. And I don't know if it has something to do with the way social media has evolved and mm. putting women at the forefront of That's men, really men at once. Because at this time, the only thing that really existed was MySpace was dying out and Facebook was emerging. Mm-hmm. Instagram wasn't there yet. Twitter was kind of there. Um, but Twitter wasn't necessarily like photos, you know, but like now that Instagram is like a solely photo platform, the pendulum was just swinging and swinging. And now it's ridiculous. Like women are like, yeah, you're right. Totally in control of like what they want. It, it's amazing. And also society has changed that, right? Like yes. Yes. Powered more independent and like owning that more now. Right. Cause like they feel more comfortable to do so, which is great. Um, but I think that's what it is. I really think that's what it is. And I don't, and I think this is like the early days of women having more access to that. So it's kind of new, you know, and like, there's no rules yet in a sense. And it's just like, they're taking advantage of it. You know, I've never been cheated on, so I, I can't speak on what that's like, but that that whole little rant there is like my honest feelings about that because I saw it happen before my eyes, you know, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I also think, like you said, like our so, social media has changed the conversation and culture right. and there's just way more talk. Women are able to own a lot more conversation rooms than they ever were able to before. And I think there's more men challenging dominant male peer culture than there ever were before, Mm. right? With the Me Too movement. We just, we're having all these conversations that we were never having before. And I think a lot of men are open to it and maybe they didn't even realize that they were a part of this testosterone system, right? That was having them exploit women. They don't even realize it because it's just normal in high school. That's how it is. And now there's, I'm actually able to hear other or see, have other ways of seeing the world and we make choices for ourselves. But so I say all that to say, Millennial men, it's a great generation of men. It is. I have to agree. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) All right, Heather, um, 
we were talking about the book. I want to get back. We're actually <laughs> giving we're giving away a few copies of the Yay! book. Um, so what we're gonna do is if someone screenshots the episode they're listening to, tags yourself and tags myself, we're gonna give them or enter them into like a raffle to give it away. So I just wanted to let that be known to all the listeners that are out there. But I'm curious, and I always ask this question to authors that hop on the show. If a reader can only take one thing away from this book, what would you want that to be? Hope. Hope. The okay. one thing I want people to take away is please don't let hope die. Mm. And I think that that's just, I know, cause I'm in it right now. It is so tempting when you're, when you get crushing news to just say, well, nothing's ever going to change. Be very careful about the language that we use, right? We should not say those words never and always. It's never going to change. It's not going to change right now. That doesn't mean it can't change later. And so just keep hope because I think when we have hope, it changes how we live. It changes whether or not I'm able to clap for the person next to me. If I still have hope in my own situation, if I don't, I can become a really nasty, mean, self-absorbed person who just lives in my own destruction and loneliness and isolation. Cause that's what we do when we're hurt. We want to isolate. Right. Hope can keep us connected. And so I think the biggest thing I want people to walk away with, and that's every chapter is just about what can you do while you're waiting? Just because you're waiting doesn't mean you shouldn't be actively pursuing ways to better yourself. What can you do while waiting? Man, there's so many things. So one of the, I have a whole chapter on meditation. I think that's a big thing we can all do to help our brains. People who meditate are more empathetic, like I said earlier, but also more creative. They have better memories, better language processing. It's just a really good thing for your brain. Um, you can network. I have a chapter in there where I talk about the importance of spending time going through your phone and just checking on people. And not always for like this ulterior motive, but the reality is wherever your next job opportunity is, it's probably in the hands of somebody that, you know, agreed. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, we're, we're on, I'm holding up a phone for those who aren't watching the video. We're on these all the time. Yeah. And so I'm in line at Chick-fil-A. Right. And I'm, instead of talking to the person next to me or even engaging, I'm literally in my own world all the time. And so we miss all of these connections. There was this guy, I read this article about this man who would book flights just so he would have the in sit in first class, just so he had the opportunity to sit next to wealthy people that he admired. And then he'd start conversations. And then he realized a ton of his business was coming from these plane rides where he would sit in first class and have the opportunity for two hours to talk to some important person about his, his entrepreneurial job. So it's like, we have to take advantage of the people that are right there around us. And I, I don't mean take advantage in a manipulative way. I mean, just like use the resources that are available to you. And I think that that's important, but I think a lot of us just we're exhausted and we're scrolling, we're doom scrolling all the time. And we forget that there's, there's probably the answer to the very thing you're looking for is in the hands of somebody, you know, romantic life. It's probably in the hands of somebody, you know, right. Right. So it's really interesting because what we've been talking about this whole time is almost like the avoidance of feelings and, and stuff like that, which kind of happens, you know, like our phones can be a real productive tool, but they could yes. also be the total opposite, you know, and like you have the opportunity to what you're saying, like network from a healthy perspective versus on the other hand, you know, just scroll, 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 scroll and scroll. 
Because I get caught up in the endless scroll all the time. It's a numbing factor, 100%. I've been sad all week. And so, well, last week. So I watched like seven episodes of Survivor in one day and just kept scrolling my Twitter and ordering DoorDash to my house, right? Like, (laughs) because I don't want to feel anything. So I get it. But when you're ready, and there's time for that. I think there's time to just say, hey, I'm going to take three days and I'm going to watch like binge watch five shows and that's all I'm going to do and stuff my face and that's it. But then get back up because there's hope. There is hope in your situation. I'm curious, how are you going to process? So you talked about, and I agree, like, I I think there's a grievance period for for things, right? Or or sad periods, right? Like you're allowed to have that day on the couch and eat Ben and Jerry's or Chick-fil-A and, you know, watch Survivor, whatever you want to do. But like, how do you process your emotions from a healthy perspective? Like after that day passes or the three days, like everyone has their own amount of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm curious, like, what, what are you doing? Is it just meditation? Me, I'm, well, I have really healthy community. So I have three friends that I've been friends. Somebody just tweeted last night. It was a viral tweet. It was like, tell me, tell me who has known anybody for more than 20 years. I'll wait. Right. And all these people were just talking about how you don't have any relationships that extend 20 years. I do my, I have a couple best friends that I've had since I was 15 years old or 13 years old. And they're pivotal in my life because I've, they've seen me through all my different seasons. And so I have really good people that I can process out loud with. Mm. And so I think the harder question is what do we do when we don't have that? Obviously we get a really good therapist. We're going to need that, but then we have to start thinking about how do we build that? And if it, even if it's just in our family circles, then how do we make time for those people who have been down for us since day one? Because right. that's what we need is to remind our brains that those people exist. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I love that. By the way, I love this. Like, this, oh, I'm glad. It's <laughs> such a great conversation. <laughs> uh, so you, t- you actually said that you're hopping on a podcast later. I'm sure you do a bunch of them. You do speaking engagements. You're in community. You have students, et cetera. What is a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Oh man. Are we going to edit out this long delay? Take your time. (laughs) We could edit anything. What is a question I wished more people asked me? Um, It's a selfish question and I'm not trying to, you're thinking. Um, I, I feel like I've kind of said it. I think the what I think the goal of my entire life is just to build I'm a communication person, right? Communication. So I study how do we build relationships with other people through messages? That's what I've researched for the last 13 years of my life. So I think what I always hope somebody asks me is just how do we remain resilient? Because there's an entire generation. I'm talking about Generation Z now, my students. There's an entire generation that have grown up watching people online post the highlight reel. Mm. And so they experience rejection in their own lives and they think that that means it's over. Or they think it means that they're not special or that there's no purpose to their lives because the job I wanted said no, or the grad school I applied to said no. And and, and they don't realize that all of us have gone through that. Right. So like, I want people, I think what I would like people to ask me is about my failures because I want to be open about them. I was engaged to be married and I called off my engagement two months before the wedding, huge failure. Um, I've been rejected by almost, I think almost every single Christian publisher that there is before now they call me, right? Like 
these, that is also a huge part of my story, but nobody asks me that anymore, but I want young people to know that it's normal. Like your failure is normal and it's going to give you a better story because it's always about connection. And how do I speak into somebody else's lives? Well, I do that by saying, Hey, I've sat in that pit too. I know what it feels like to not want to get up in the morning. I know what that feels like. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's normal. But when we scroll online and all we see are people who are happy and fabulous and successful and beautiful, we just feel like there's, something wrong with me. And I just want people to know there's not. Why do you consider breaking off that engagement a failure? Because you're happily married now. I'm now. It wasn't to the you same You answered person, it, though. right? No, not to the same person. But the reality is at that time, when I have five people that have bought bridesmaid dresses that now they're not wearing, do you think I felt like a failure? Of course I did. You know, and then there's, there's the people that said, you shouldn't do this. Don't, and I'm... <laughs> pushing forward. No, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Two months before the wedding, I canceled my engagement. Um, that felt like a mess. And then on top of that, this is totally spiraling now, but, um, ended up getting a restraining order. Like it was a really bad situation right. that I, that I who see myself as like successful woman, independent, I know what I want. I'm not going to let anybody walk all over me. And I found myself in this really abusive situation Mm. Right. So, yeah, I felt like a failure to myself and even who I thought I would be as a kid. Right. I set for myself or my daddy, (laughs) the dad who told me what I was worth and I ignored it. I totally. Well, you know, I think sometimes like we need to kind of find out those things for ourselves. Right. Like, I mean, I'm stubborn as fuck. Like (laughs) (laughs) I like I listen tell me not to cross the street and give me every reason why I'm still going to probably cross the street, you know, like, um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally resonate with that. You know, I, I, do you not feel like you need to kind of learn things for yourself sometimes, regardless of, you know, people telling you X, Y, and Z. So no, <laughs> I would, I would rather not Matt. I would rather not be humiliated and embarrassed. Mm. Yeah. I would rather not go through this situation because some things are avoidable. And so if somebody else has already walked this path, I would love to take your advice and take your word for it, that that was really sucky. And I don't want to go through it myself. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. I get, I'll give you a perfect example. I used to work for one of the sharks on shark tank and he would just always say like, you know, and he was referring to him launching FUBU, um, his, his clothing brand. And he would always say like, keep your day job, keep your day job, keep your day job. And just like, repeat that, repeat that, repeat that in regards to starting a business, like always have money coming in. Cause when you start a business, you don't just start the business, open it up and, you know, hit a million dollars. Like that's just not how it works. And that was advice I didn't listen to. Like it really wasn't now looking back, of course, I wish I would have listened to it because I found myself in a really dark period for like the first year of business where it was just an absolute fucking struggle, you know, but um, I think going down that path taught me things I wouldn't have learned unless I went down that path. Because here's I love Shark Tank. (laughs) I watch a lot of Shark Tank and they often don't they also tell people, well, you didn't go all in. I see that with people when they're like, well, I don't know about you because you haven't gone all in. They like the people who quit the job and go all in because then they feel like, okay, this person's committed. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I get it. A hundred percent. But yeah, that was just, yeah, I was just curious, but um, I respect it. Thank you again for the transparency. Uh, I know I need to let you go in a couple minutes. What are, so I asked you a question you wish you would have asked um, or been asked. What is a piece of advice you were given that you didn't want to hear, but proved to be true over time? Oh, 
that I didn't want to hear. Um, I mean, maybe kind of what you just talked about that we learn more from failure than we do from success. Mm. I think that that's actually very true. I think I'm a 50 time better writer because of all the people who said no to me, Mm. because I went back to my house and was like, I'm going to write a book that you won't be up that if you say no, you're going to feel so stupid two years from now. Right. And it made me better. So I think that's the advice. And everybody always says that failure will teach you more, but it doesn't feel good when they're standing there from their stage and podium saying it right. right. Okay. And you're sitting in it, <laughs> but it's true. I think it, well, I should say this, it can teach you more and it, there's a choice. You can let disappointment crush you and say, I quit and I'm never doing this again. Let me use this example. I had a blog. I still have a blog called I'm That Wife that I do with my best friend. And we, after three years of blogging, I I would blog twice a week. She blogged twice a week for three years. We had 9,000 followers. And I was just like, forget this. This is taking all of my energy, all of my effort. Three years, I'm watching somebody post a bikini pic and thousands and thousands of likes. And here I am trying to work on a think piece to change people's lives and nobody gives a crap. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said to my best friend, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And she said, can we just give this like one more month? I just believe in it. And I'm so, this is also my advice to people have a partner. You have got to have somebody else in things with you. It changes everything. Had I not had her, I would have quit within literally probably two weeks of that conversation. We had our first viral piece. We went from 9,000 followers to 20,000 followers overnight. Today we're at over 200,000 followers and it's just changed the abilities for me for writing and speaking all because my friend said, I think we should give this one more month. Right. Right. Yeah. Stay, hang in there hang in there for whatever perceived failure that you think you're going through and say, what can I learn? How do I write better or whatever it is for people? How do I do this better? What are the, what are the legitimate flaws in the way I'm tackling this system and how can I fix it? What was the piece that made you go viral? It was a meme. What was it? And you, it was a meme um, there at that time, you know how everybody was sharing that there was like this app that would change your face and make, make you look old two years yes. old. Do you remember it? Yes, so I that did. was, that was a rage at the time. And my friend Scarlett wrote this meme that said, I don't need a face, an old face app. I have three kids. <laughs> and and it went viral and we went from 9,000 to 20,000 overnight. And like now we get picked up by the biggest mom blog places all the time. It's normal. And I just can't believe that had I not, had I quit two weeks before, I'd never have the redemption in that story. I would just think, well, what the hell was that about? Why did I blog for three years? I don't know. Right, right. But right, literally around my corner was the redemption. And I had, I had I not had a partner, I wouldn't even be telling the story. I love that. Uh, that gives a lot of people hope. And that goes back to what you said earlier about your book, right? Like that right there gives a lot of people hope because I mean, listen, I've, I never really wanted to throw the towel in on the podcast, but was I always all in? Absolutely not. And I just told you earlier, like we're about to hit episode 200, like we're, we're so close and has it hit the success level that I would like? No, but at the same time, like we're here right now recording this, right? Because I do believe in it. Like, and but yeah. Matt, are people writing you and saying this impacted me? All the time. We So every month I do a sit down with three other gentlemen and even beyond that, right? But like in those particular episodes, like it's four men talking super vulnerably about relationships, about how we feel as men and, and what masculinity is right now, mm. and what life means to us, which is- Very what- millennial of you. <laughs> But people write all the time. I just had a a guy write to me the other day and he was like, dude, your episode made me cry. 
you know, not that I want to make anyone cry, but like it just touched him, you know, and we get this all the time. Like every time we put out episodes, I'm sure people are going to hit us up about this episode. Like everyone is just like always sharing feedback, always sharing the episodes, like so supported, which is like another thing that adds fuel to my fire. It's like, okay, cool. Like people also believe in this. So I think there is a healthy form of external validation, but there's also yeah. a healthy form, you know, so um, that that's where the belief comes from and it gives hope. I totally agree with you. And we do it because it matters. Right. And that's enough. Yeah. It's crazy. This idea that if I'm not, you know, on Shark Tank, I'm a loser. That's stupid. Like nobody, that's not the reality for 99% of the population. So how do we find success and meaning in what we actually are living in? I love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's the journey right there. I think like that's finding out how you do that for yourself. Yeah. You know, because, and the beautiful thing about having this show, like I always say, it's like super selfish, but like having these conversations is like, listen, you know, I'm a student to everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. like in former years. And in fact, my former boss would tell you I'm a know-it-all or was a know-it-all. He knows I'm not now, but um, yeah, like I just learned from it, you know, and like learning how you did it, I could apply, you know, what's applicable to me and vice versa and whatever the case is, you know? So it's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing, but I want to make sure I'm getting you out of here on time. One last question. Um, If you could only give one piece of advice the rest of your life, what would it be? Now I know here's, can I say where you mess me up? You mess me up because you constantly say one thing. I I need to make it so (laughs) And that's so hard for my brain to think, oh my God, it's just so much pressure. One piece of advice. Uh, already like you've literally given a ton i'm so grateful i had an absolute blast during this conversation i'm not even saying that uh (laughs) i don't need brownie points here but i really really mean that but if there was just like one thing like if you were hopping on stages or if you're hopping on the podcast at 3 p.m after this like you know what what would be that one piece of advice the one piece of advice would be don't quit And I teach social media, so I'm really into it. But I'll just say this, like it's taught me things about life outside of social media, which is consistency. Everybody who makes it in social media knows it's because they were consistent. Mm. And I think it's probably true in real life as well. If you stay consistently faithful to whatever it is that you feel called to do, something will change for you. I just don't even think it's possible for it not to change. My students will say like, you know, I just feel like people act like time isn't going to pass either way. Mm. It's like, well, that's going to take me 10 years. Well, guess what? You're going to be 40, whether you use it or you don't use it. Why the hell would you not use it? That time is going to pass regardless. Right. Don't quit. Stay consistent in whatever it is you feel called to do. Right. I love that. Heather, you are the best. Seriously. Thank you so much. No, you're the best. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, I'm going to have all of the social handles, websites, where people can get the book in the show notes of this episode. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to let people know? Something no. going on? We're, we're good. What I have going on is that I need people to go on and buy this book and God bless you, Amazon, for putting me up in Matt's feed. I appreciate that. (laughs) Also, again, just reminding people that we are, I believe we're giving away five books. Oh, Uh, great. I'm going to mention it on social media and stuff like that. So we'll get some people going and hopefully um, we get some sales off of this. That would be awesome. I I hope so too. Heather, thank you again. I appreciate it. You are the absolute best. (laughs) Thank you for having me. 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 189 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Make sure you are entering yourself in the giveaway. Heather's team has been very generous with offering us the opportunity to amplify this amazing giveaway to all of our listeners here today. Again, all you have to do, screenshot the episode, Put it on your Instagram story. Tag Heather, tag myself. You can find all of Heather's social handles, websites, where you can get the book, all of that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. And I'm sure you know where to find me on social already. And if you don't, that's also in the show notes of this episode. Again, make sure you're entering. It is an amazing opportunity and it is an amazing book. It is an absolutely amazing book that I want all of you to be able to have the opportunity of entering yourself into the possibility of receiving a copy for yourself. Now, with that being said, make sure you're sharing this. If you don't plan on sharing it on social to enter the giveaway, make sure you're doing so in your private channels, whether that's your text messages, your group chats on social, your email threads, everything in between, person to person. Maybe you're just communicating the messages. You don't actually have to share it digitally, but maybe talking about it with the people that are in your circle. That too is super powerful because you have the opportunity now to change someone's life, whether you know they need that or not. I swear. It sounds crazy, but it's the God's honest truth. And I wanted to make sure I'm sharing that with you until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.